0: This morning this morning i 'm not going to speak to everyone who 's gathered in front of me just now i 'm not going to speak to to you all instead. what I want to do this morning is to address what actually might just be quite a small section of the congregation here. I only want to speak to some of you today now i 'm not making any apologies for this at all because I know that those who are not included in this group will not only understand, but will fully support this decision. Why? Well, because this morning I want to speak to those here who are not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for their eternal salvation. This morning I want to speak to you in here today, you who do not love the Lord. Now, who am, I, who am I thinking about when I when I say something like that? Who who do I mean by this? Well, it, it could be, I think, you, the visitor uh, to London City Presbyterian Church. Okay, it could be you, you know, the person who is uh, perhaps passing through London, the person who's maybe never been uh, in this building ever beforehand, and yet, the, you know, the person who has. Not yet repented and believed in Jesus. If, if that's you, this sermon is for you. So it could be you. It could also be you, the regular at London City Presbyterian Church. You know, the, the person here who is in so many of the other ways part of the, like the fabric of this church, familiar to us all, but that person who today is without faith, saving faith, in the risen and exalted Lord Jesus Christ. Is that you? Are you not yet a Christian, a professing child of God? If that's you, then this sermon this morning, it is for you. Now, just because I've said the sermon's only for some I'm still going to ask that everyone would please uh, have their Bibles open uh, at Mark chapter 10. And I'm asking if you would note with me here what we see, first of all, about the need, the need for Jesus. Okay, that's the first thing here, the need for Jesus. Now, if you've been part of this church for uh, this sermon series, for a couple of chapters now, what have we been doing? We've been following the Lord Jesus Christ, on this last crucial journey that he's making to Jerusalem. Haven't we? We've been following Jesus. Now, truth be told, as we travel with Jesus in these last few chapters, due to an absence of little geographical markers, a lot of the time, we've not really known where we are in the last few chapters. But all of that changes here. Do you see what I mean? Have a look at verse 46. What happens in verse 46? Mark tells us that at this point, we are where? Where are we? We are in the city of Jericho. Okay, uh, does that tell us anything? City of Jericho, does that mean anything for us here? Well, yeah, get this. It means that at this point here, we are only about 18 miles away from our final destination. This point today, we are but one day's walk away from Yeah, from the holy city, from Jerusalem itself. So, we know where we are. We're in Jericho. But who are we with? Well, have again, have another look at verse 46. So we know that we're in the company of Jesus. We know that we're in the company of the disciples. But it's the next part that I want you to notice. Uh, Mark tells us that we are with a great crowd. Now, I wonder if you see then what's happening at this point in Christ's gospel. If we're with a great crowd, what does that mean? Well, as I look around, here's my guess. I'm guessing that all of you in here know what's going to happen when we get to Jerusalem. Like you know the details of the arrest, the trial, the death. of You know that Jerusalem is about to swell with visitors because of the passover feast so do you see what's going on do you see why there's a great crowd with us here do you see who these people are this is a multitude of pilgrims pilgrims who are beginning this journey from jericho they're about to go up to jerusalem why they're going up all these people together going up to celebrate the feast the passover so we've got the place where are we we're in jericho we know the people who are we with? We're with this big crowd of pilgrims. What about the particulars here? Well, as this verse goes on, uh, you'll notice that we are introduced to a blind man, aren't we? By the name of, what is his name? Bartimaeus. Do you know what? I, uh, I think even that, even the fact that you know his name is interesting. You see, nowhere else in the whole of Mark's Gospel is the subject of one of Jesus' miracles named. Nowhere else do we learn a person's name in the whole of this Gospel. Okay, nowhere else. The best you could get is maybe the Syro-Phoenician woman. That's not her name though, or Jairus' daughter. But this guy, Bartimaeus, he is the only person whose name is recorded in the whole of Mark's Gospel. Why? i have no clue i have absolutely no idea why his name is recorded perhaps he goes on to become a sort of leading light in the early church perhaps maybe he is known to some of mark's readers we can't be sure but what do we know we know this man's plight and what have we said every single time we have studied Jesus healing a blind man? What have we say every time? We say to be blind in the first century world was the most awful thing, wasn't it? To be blind in a society like that. Like, think about it. I mean, no NHS to help you like no social services whatsoever in in jericho nothing like that do you see this guy is marginalized he's blind it means he's unable to support himself which is why you find him where you do in verse 46 because where is he he's sitting by the roadside outside of jerusalem why is he there He's trying to meet as many of these pilgrims as possible. He's trying to get as many alms, as many offerings as possible from these people. Do you you get a sense of desperate he is? Do you get a sense of how traumatic, how tough it was for this man? Now let me try and explain what's happening here. There's there's a writer who, who writes in this portion of scripture. And he says that what you have in front of you just now is an emblem of spiritual things. Do you, do you see what the man's saying? Like he is saying that in this man Bartimaeus, the Almighty God is teaching you spiritual truths, a spiritual lesson. And, 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 and what is that? Surely it is that all humanity's starting point before God is that we too are blind. That we too are poor. Surely the lesson here is that all men everywhere are both in spiritual darkness and spiritual poverty. Isn't that the lesson here? Now if that is true, that's just utterly disastrous isn't it for humanity so how has this happened well I, I think as I look around again I think you probably know exactly how this has happened don't you that you have Adam you have the first man created and, and what has he done you know the story what has he done Adam he has rebelled against God now now, what has that led to now, now think about it like this that just us are uh, uh, genetic disorder or a genetic deficiency might pass from a parent to a child what's happened in eden the corruption of that first man's character it has filtered into the life of every subsequent human being now are you listening to what i'm saying to you I'm saying that every single person in this room just now has inherited something from our parents. What have we inherited? We have inherited a fallen and corrupt nature. Now to prove this to you, I think I could point you to other parts of the Bible, couldn't I? I could point you to other verses that affirm this, other verses, chapters of God's word, but I don't think I need even to do that. I can just point you to the outside world. Because you think about this, what do you see when you look to America just now and the political infighting? And what do you see... If you look to the attitude towards the homeless in this city, or the attitude to refugees in Europe, or what do you see when you look at the mounting violence in the Middle East? What do you see? What do you actually see when you look at your own life just now, in honesty, and you look at your own heart? Do you not see a capacity for an evidence of wrongdoing? When you consider the world around, when you consider your own heart, do you not see wickedness, wicked ways, wicked thoughts, wicked actions, right? Now, the the worst aspect of all of this, now listen, is that our inherited nature, it leaves us separated from God. Do you understand? I'm, I'm not just saying this morning that the Bible says you're a bit broken doesn't tell us that there's a, a little bit of a problem. I mean, it tells us that we lead lives that offend the one who's actually created us. We offend God. The humanity stands to face judgement because of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Who are we like? We're like Bartimaeus. We are unable to see a way back to God. We are incapable of doing anything about it, even if we could see a way back to God. Do you see? Blind. Poor. So are you in this group that I'm addressing this morning? Are you? Do you then begin to understand your need for Jesus? Do you begin to see your need for one who was actually born differently to us? Do you see how it works? Do you see your need for the one who was born as God amongst man? What's the crucial thing here? The one who was born without a corrupt and fallen nature. And the one because of that who can actually restore that broken relationship with almighty God. Do you begin to recognize it? Do you begin to see your need for Christ? Then we have to see though, if we establish the need for Jesus, we also have to see here the calling to Jesus. So that's our second the second heading here, the calling to Jesus. And here let me just continue. To address those who are unconverted or shall we say those who are not born again. And, I, and what I'll do is I'll, I'll ask you a question. If you, if that's you, what do you think of what has just been said? Now do you accept this biblical assessment of where you stand. Like, I wonder if you could say with me, if we were to talk afterwards, would you be able to say to me, do you know what? Yes, I accept and know that I am a sinner and I am a sinner before God. Now, could you say that? Well, if so, then there is a logical next step. There's a question that you surely have asked, if not are asking today, and it's this, what now? If I'm a sinner, what can I do to be saved by God? Well, as the story goes on here, what we find is this man is the blind man, do you notice what he does next? He calls out. He sort of cries out to Jesus. And what I want to do at this point is I just want to underline for you just a few little things about the call or how he cries, okay? The first thing I want you to see is that this cry, it displays a knowledge of who Jesus is. He cries out to Jesus, but in doing so, he displays a knowledge of who Jesus is, his identity, I wonder if you see what I mean by that. If not, look with me to verse 47. Answer me, like, what is it that the blind man calls out at this point? What does he say? So he shouts Jesus. We get, we get that. What is the title he adds to it? Do you see? Son of David. <laughs> it's the same as before. I, I need you to, to understand that that's really unusual. Just as before, that is the only instance in the whole of Mark's Gospel where Jesus is referred to like that. The only time in all of Mark's Gospel where you will hear somebody call Jesus the Son of David. The only time. So what does it mean? Well, you'll agree with me that Johnny did a great job of the first reading of scripture earlier on. What did we read? Second, samuel 7 i wonder if you were paying attention for the first reading did you did you did you see what we were told by god in second samuel 7 god promises his people listen to this a king but it's a king unlike any other In saying samuel 7 god promises his people an everlasting ruler an everlasting king here's the thing though where was that king to emerge from? Think about it. From the family line of David. So do you see what's happening in Mark chapter 10? Like Bartimaeus here, sitting on this ground outside the city, he's not calling out to Jesus because he thinks, oh, well, there's a chance this guy might be a wonder worker. Why is he calling out to Jesus? Because he understands who Jesus is. He understands this is the son of God. David, this man is the Christ. Do you see? He understands who Jesus is. Now, maybe you doubt that. If so, look with me to verse 51 and see the other title he uses here. In verse 51, Bartimaeus comes to Jesus and calls him Rabbi, except he doesn't. Except he calls him Rabbi. Rabunai which is a term the Jews rarely used of another man it was a term that the Jews reserved really only to use of God above and to use in prayer so do you see what's happening to Bartimaeus do you see what it is that he recognizes he looks at Jesus and he understands this man is of God above he understands this man is the very Messiah of God above And again, I I need to speak to you if you are in this group this morning, these people that that I am addressing here today. Are you, this morning, are you in the same boat as Bartimaeus? Like, do you know, not only, could you affirm, remember what we said earlier on, could you affirm, yes, I'm a sinner. Do you know something of the reality, the severity of your sin? Do you know that? But do you also know something of who Jesus is? If we were to speak afterwards, would you say, Well, you know what? Actually, in my heart of hearts, I do know that Jesus is the Son of God. I know that Jesus yeah the Bible says he's the Messiah. I know that Jesus is the Christ. Could you say that? I hope I I hope you understand how close you are then this morning to the very kingdom of God itself. So he cries out, and he, and he knows something of who Jesus is. But you've also got to notice the opposition that the cry faces. Do you see what I mean by that? Look at verse 48. Look at this. Look what happens. Verse 48. To Bartimaeus opens his mouth, calls out to Jesus, son of David, and look what happens immediately. We're told that he is rebuked. People, what is it? Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. I reckon you can picture the scene quite easily, can't you? All of this crowd moving past him, and the poor blind man shouts out, and what, what happens? The men around him start laughing at the guy. Don't they? They're looking at this blind guy sitting there and saying, but, you know, pipe down! you just be quiet you're calling out for Jesus Jesus isn't going to heal you Jesus isn't going to do anything for you don't be ridiculous Bart be quiet, silence and if you are amongst this section of the congregation that we're speaking to surely you see how relevant that is for you this morning do you? like you've got to understand this if you are giving some serious thought to salvation this morning, some serious thought to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to face opposition. Like even as even I'm speaking to you this morning, there's going to be distraction for you, isn't there? There may be doubt for you. Maybe later today, out of nowhere, people like this will appear in your life and they'll be rebuking you, they'll be mocking you. You are going to face opposition. Surely you see that you must respond to that in the way that this guy Bartimaeus does. Because isn't it marvelous what he does? These people rebuke him. They mock him. They tell him to be quiet. What does he do though? He shouts all the more to Almighty God for mercy. That's what you must do this morning. So he shouts out. He knows who he's speaking to. He faces opposition in this call. But the last element of this call is the sheer beautiful simplicity of it. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Callum and I were sitting in a coffee shop, very nice coffee shop, not a million miles from here, and Callum and I were having a talk about, I suppose we were talking about what the Bible says is required for salvation. Okay? And, you know, by the end of this conversation, Callum and I weren't just in agreement, we were almost laughing. And laughing at how, in some senses, the message of the gospel is such a beautifully simple and straightforward message. Do you you agree with me about the simplicity of salvation? Do you at least see what I mean? If not, you see it here. Because I'm asking you, what exactly does Bartimaeus call out to Jesus? Do you see in verse 48? What does this cry? So he said, Jesus, son of David. And what does he cry? Look at it. He says, have mercy on me. Are you, are you not with me this morning? Isn't that? Isn't it? She has beautifully, simple and straightforward. I mean, he says Four words. Forwards, have mercy on me. Four words, and his life from that point on is utterly and completely, and I think forevermore transferred. Four words! And I'm saying to you friends, as a congregation, this is pertinent for us. Because this, there's this dangerous, common misunderstanding about Christian faith, even amongst us. There's this fallacy that people coming to Jesus Christ is this very complicated thing. And it's not. And are you thinking like that this morning? You know, if you're in this group and you think, oh, it's gonna be here you know, for me to become a Christian. There's so many different things in my life that I am gonna to have to change first before I come to Jesus. Are you thinking like that? It's not right. And surely you surely see in this call. You see how simple it is to come to Jesus and ask Him for for mercy. Do you see why it's simple? Because Jesus has already done everything needed. I'm saying to you, you do not need to change one single thing in advance of coming to Christ there is no complicated complex procedure to salvation it's not like that all you need do is believe in him not just to, to not just to know that you're a sinner not just to know that Jesus is the son of god but even now to look to him with the eyes of faith to trust yourself to Jesus. To believe in him. To rest in him. And with Bartimaeus, even in this morning's service, to call out to the Son of God and to call out for mercy. So there's this calling to Jesus. But there's a third thing with which we'll end. And that is the work of Jesus. there's been an awful lot said and an awful lot written about the Oscars uh, over the last few days that sort of utter fiasco uh, involving which film is going to get best picture has certainly hit the headlines and everyone is talking about that well, uh, I think in Mark 10 what happens is that Mark, our author displays perfect cinematic camera work in this very short section because up until now the lens hasn't moved from Bartimaeus everything has been fixed upon this man we're all focused on Bartimaeus all of a sudden at the end the lens moves the camera changes the angle moves and now we're focused on the Lord himself now what does Jesus do I wonder if you'd follow me and think about it with me. So, he is walking with this crowd of people, and he hears Bartimaeus call. What does Jesus do? Here's the crucial thing. Jesus stops. Imagine that. Dead in his tracks, he stops. And he, he has Bartimaeus called to him. Now, he has Bartimaeus at this point, the blind man, stand directly in front of him, I think, and he says to Bartimaeus this question. You ready for the question? Bartmaeus, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> I was reading that in preparation this week. Scratching my head. You know, can you see why? Like, that is an odd question to ask a blind man. Isn't it? You know, Bartmaeus, what is it that you want me to do for you? You know, Bartmuth, Bartmuth, you know I wanna be, I want to be able to see. But do you see what Jesus is doing? I mean, he, such is this grace. He is giving this man an opportunity to, to speak and to verbalize his need before Almighty God. That's what it is. It's grace. And what a response the request gets. Now, you just listen to what Jesus says. I'll read it to you. He says to Bartimaeus, he looks at the man, he says, Your faith has healed you. Or, oh, now get this. As it could equally be translated. He looks at Bartimaeus at this point, this man that he loves, and he says, Bartimaeus, your faith has saved you. And I end with one last question for this group and this section of London City Presbyterian Church. Because I wonder, what do you think is on offer in the gospel of God? Like this morning, if you were to be asked, what do you think is on offer in this salvation that we read off in Scripture? What would you say to me? Because let me say this to you. Yes, healing is on offer for you today, right now, in Christ Jesus. And forgiveness is an offer. And you know this sort of idea of being restored and reconciled to God? All of that... Is on offer today in the gospel, but I stand before you and say it is even better than that. Because what happens at the end of the section? Like, in the way that it's written, all of the emphasis is on the very last phrase, verse 52. So Bartimaeus receives his sight, and what does he do? All of the focus is on the... What does he do? Does he go back into Jericho? Does he go and see his friend? He can see. What does he do? Do you see? He follows Jesus along the road. Friend, do you see in that the great further blessing of the gospel? Understand this. In salvation, you get to walk through this entire life in the presence of the Lord God almighty isn't that a a glorious thing upon her for a moment that as a Christian your life changes entirely you are never alone you get to travel through this whole life in the constant presence of constantly following the Lord Jesus himself and yes sometimes that journey is hard You you need to know that this journey from Jericho to Jerusalem, where Bartimaeus follows Jesus, that road was all uphill. That was a famously perilous path. Following Jesus at times can be so difficult. It can be so tough. But don't you see it? Don't you see how wonderful it is if you trust in Jesus Christ? He will never, ever, ever, ever leave your You get to walk throughout eternity in the presence of the Lord. So, again I ask you, are you in this group? Are you in this section of LCPC? Well, I wonder this. I wonder if what you're reading about is happening just now. I'm wondering in your life, do you know that the Lord Jesus Christ has today at this moment stopped for you? Is He, as I speak to you just now, is He even calling out to you? Is He? What are you going to do? I mean, surely you understand that you must do what Bartimaeus does here. You must respond. You must go to Jesus and go without delay. Friend, are you going to do that today? Is this the moment where you bow? Is this the moment that you come? Is this the moment that you go to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is this the moment where you ask him for mercy? Friends, if it is, then know today from the eternal son of David, by grace alone, you will receive everlasting spiritual sight let's pray